Thanks for listening to KYUK. I'm Evan Erickson. This week, we're launching a new series we're calling Field Notes. You'll be tagging along with KYUK's reporters as they travel throughout the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. While they're in the field, they'll share their experiences, what they see, and stories from people living in the communities we cover. This week, a team of scientists is heading for the Yukon River. They're looking to solve a decade-old mystery about a treasure trove of dinosaur tracks, and senior reporter Emily Schwing is along for the ride. I caught up with her in Fairbanks before the team heads out to explore the middle section of the Yukon River. Hey, Emily, how are you? Hey, Evan. I'm good. Thanks. So, uh, Emily, tell us about these dinosaur tracks. Yeah, so they were discovered a decade ago when a team from the University of Alaska Fairbanks put their boats in the river at the village of Ruby. That was back in 2013. Um, That team floated over 100 miles down to Caltag where they loaded a barge with some of their finds. Uh, It totaled about 2,000 pounds of prehistoric footprints. And do they know what kind of uh, dinosaur made them? Um, well, so at the time, scientists believed they found tracks that were made by at least two species, a plant eater and a meat eater. But as far as anyone knows, no one has returned to the Yukon River ever since. And so what is really there is still unclear. Do we know why no one has been back in a decade? Yeah, so that's a real mystery. Um, this kind of discovery is pretty rare and it's really exciting. Um, I think that most researchers will probably tell you that these kinds of expeditions are expensive. They can cost tens of thousands of dollars, and they take a lot of time. So this year, we plan to spend about 18 days on the river. We're going to be on the river for quite a while. What can you tell us about the scientists that you'll be traveling with? So the lead on this effort is Tony Fiorillo. He's the executive director of the New Mexico Museum of Natural History and Science, and he's an expert on Arctic and subarctic dinosaurs. He and I met up in downtown Fairbanks earlier this week to talk about this project. And just a heads up, you'll hear the noon bells from the Immaculate Conception Catholic Church go off during our conversation. We don't go say, I'm going boldly over here because I think, you know, divine intervention has told me there's something there. There's some literature from the 19. 19- 70s and 80s that suggest the um, this basin we want to look at, there's enough clues there, like fossil plant material, um, the right interpreted depositional environments like deltas and river channels and so on. And so we're going to uh, look at this enormous basin where it crops out along the Yukon. Um, the Yukon River is huge. Yes. <laughs> Um, And this is a vast area. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, like you mentioned, this basin is just enormous. So how, as a scientist, do you sort of pinpoint where you want to look, or do you even know? This is going to be the biggest river I've ever seen, which is exciting me in some ways. Um, With that said, you go where you can access the rocks. And so we will be using a boat and we'll really be hitting the exposures. We've got a geologic map. We know where the the rocks of interest intersect with the river. And that's what we're going to do. We we have a window of time. We're going to be on the river and we're going to let the geology and paleontology determine what happens while we're on the river. It's kind of exciting, right? Like 
when you don't know what's going to happen, um, you know, that's part of science, but it's a little scary too, isn't it? It's really intimidating. You know, I hope that we find something. Um, to use a baseball analogy, I was at the plate and I swung and missed an awful lot. But each of those misses eventually informs you, like, don't do this, but maybe do this. And eventually you start to develop a much more informed set of decision-making questions. And um, I, I feel pretty good. But I won't feel really good until we find something. That's kind of the ball game with, with paleontology, isn't it? Like a lot of swings and misses, but sometimes you hit a home run. I, and I hope we hit one. <laughs> and I hope we don't wait till the ninth inning to hit it. You know, there's a lot of communities up and down the Yukon River. And especially in this section, um, sometimes people forget, you know, that this is, this is a place on the map where people have lived for thousands of years. Those communities are going to see us go by. They're going to see you in a boat and paleontologists. What do you want them to know about what you're looking for and why it's important? If somebody sees us, let's visit. Because I'm also interested in, uh, well, I'm making an assumption we're going to find something. I would like to see if there are some stories of people who live on the river. Maybe they've seen these things. How have they thought of them? Like, it, are there old stories to explain the geology along the river? Like, I'm a Western-trained scientist, but if stuff is out there, is there another explanation? And so, stop and say hi, just to say hi, but if you have this other information, I would love to hear it. This all sounds great, but why should the average person care about dinosaur tracks? Well, from the perspectives of Tony Fiorillo and his team, recording this history can tell us a lot about how dinosaurs lived in the far north during the Cretaceous. The rocks where these footprints are could be up to 100 million years old. And there are also fossilized plants and organic material in the same rocks, so they can piece together the habitat and even an ancient story of a previous changing climate. So this kind of science can really enrich what we know about the natural history of the Yukon River and the region. So speaking of the region in more recent history, things have been dramatic on the river with respect to salmon fishing. I mean, this will be the fourth year subsistence fishing has been closed or severely restricted. Are you going to be uh, touching on that as you travel down the river at all? Yes, of course. And that is definitely something that I'll be looking to find out more about for KYUK's listeners. Um, I've already made calls um, downriver from Galena to find out about how people are dealing with a lack of salmon this year and how they're supplementing their diets heading into the winter. One bright spot has been that people have been able to harvest some summer chum and they may be able to also harvest fall chum. Obviously, Chinook are completely off the table all the way up the river system, but um, when people do have chances to fish, they actually uh, often, the prices of fuel to get to these spots to use this limited gear actually makes it not very practical. Um, are there other things related to fishing that you hope to find out as you travel down the river on this trip with these paleontologists? 
Yeah, I really want to know more about how people are handling this crisis. They haven't been able to fish in years for salmon, but there are other fish species, whitefish, sheafish, cisco, burbot. I've even heard that people could also use a rod and reel for grayling. So I want to know more about how they're targeting other species to help fill their freezers and and fill their, their tables. I've also heard a couple secondhand stories about how people are making up for some of the cultural practices that um, they worry might be forgotten, you know, drying fish and um, smoking fish and cutting fish are a huge part of the story when it comes to life on the Yukon. And I've, I've heard about at least one woman in the village of Nulato who is teaching people how to cut whitefish. Um, so that people don't completely lose, you know, this part of their identity um, as, you know, people who live on the river. Yeah, I was listening to a Tuesday Tuesday teleconference of stakeholders all along the river. And uh, I actually heard callers from Eagle talking about how someone had just actually given away a fish wheel for scrap wood. And other people along the river had, had seen their smokehouses being torn down and how you can just kind of watch the erosion of the... Uh, the fishing practices kind of happening in real time down there. Wow. Well, we will definitely, this is definitely something that we will be hearing more of on KYUK. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to time to fill us in today as you're tra- on your travels there. Um, we're really looking forward to hearing more about your trip. Thanks so much for having me, Evan. And if you have thoughts about this journey down the Yukon, questions for Emily, or want to tell us about your experience with subsistence on the Yukon River this year, you can email us at news at kyuk.org. That's news at kyuk.org. 